Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Yeah, thank you very much for agreeing to come and speak to us. It's been a, a long time. That's been, uh, what was it, about 20, 2008 or seven, I think. Yeah, when did you leave Deloitte? I left uh, 2007, I think, 2007. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so it uh, seems to have been... Uh, quite an interesting journey for you, living Deloitte and everything else that's been happening. So we we good to just capture all, all of that. So I think like like I said in the message, I mean this uh podcast is more about just uh capturing your your, your life journey, you know? So okay. if, if yeah. you sort of uh think think about it because Obviously, a lot of things have happened in life, and uh, you're busy doing business and all of that. But uh, we, we we're just trying to take you back to base in a way. So start thinking about your whole journey. Start from from the beginning, like uh, you know, from birth, uh, the the journey, the family, the siblings, and everything. So it's almost um, uh, if, if you if you think of it in chronological order from that time, what happened next, and then to where you are, so we can capture those uh, inspirational moments, the challenges, the successes, and everything that's happening in between. So, it's it's one of those uh, sit down, have your cup of coffee, and then reflect. Oh, how far have I have I come from the beginning? So, if if you are Take us through through that that journey, like uh, from from the beginning, and then we'll, we'll pick up from there. It's, it's just like a conversation, and then we'll talk through all the bits in between uh, and, and until up to now. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, we look at this as just like a, a cup of coffee chat. So any uh, and anything, we just go through life and everything has happened. But um, I, I think, uh, like I say, if you go. Uh, 50 years, 100 years down the line, and their great, 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 great grandchildren uh, are, are listening to this and wondering who was Gauri, who was our. Yeah. Why, why would you want them to know? Like, you know, <laughs> so that, that that's uh, uh, pretty much it. So, yeah, t- take us from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. Um, from the beginning, well, I have no idea. Um, well, I have no memory of anything, you know, when I was very little, yeah. uh, other than the fact that um, we, you know, my my dad, um, who uh, joined the family business, I mean, he, I, I remember perfumery quite a bit, mm. you know, um, that I remember that we had two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and then I remember my dad had to go off. He lived in Bhutan for nearly eight years. Mm. Um, so I remember that he was away in my initial, you know, when I was quite little. Yeah. Um, I remember going to Bhutan uh, very vaguely. Um, I think I was there for a month or so, or a few months maybe. But um, they don't have the um, the same, they didn't at that point, the same um school system as uh, 
you'd expect to find um, in a in a you know in a structure. Anyway, so because of that, I was sent off to my grandmother's, um, you know, to live with my grandmother, who I lived with for about two years. Um, whilst my parents and my younger sister, um, they were in uh, Bhutan for two years. Hmm. So I have very, very uh, good memories of, um, you know, living with my grandma. She's, um, she teaches this language called Sanskrit. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the language. It's quite an ancient Indian language. Yeah. Uh, and it's considered the source of many other languages in India. So, um, yeah, she teaches. She still teaches to the day. She's 91 now. She's wow. still, yeah, she teaches uh, Sanskrit language to the um, 11 plus and not 11 plus, what should I say? Um, so she teaches um, Sanskrit language to the A level and GCSE level students in India. Mm-hmm. So um, she's she's still quite on the ball. You know, she's, she's really wow. sharp still. Um, yeah, so she, she, I believe was the first sort of um, inspirational um, person I remember quite clearly because I think I was about four, five, four yeah. or five. And that, that's when you sort of um, start developing your memories a lot more yeah. strongly, isn't it? Um, so that's my memory. Uh, first memory of her is she used to teach me times tables. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It had to be. It had to be right. So uh, one to 12, you know, timetables, and I had to repeat them every day. I still remember that. Uh, But I think that kind of got me to enjoy maths more. Um, It didn't put me off, fortunately. (laughs) So (laughs) that was that. And um, my grandmother and my uncle and aunt and my cousin, you know, we all lived together. Um, So, yeah, it was it was it was a great childhood. Um, and, um, and then my dad came back. So we all moved back to Kerala, which is in the South of India. So if you think of Indian Peninsula, it's right kind of at the bottom, Kerala. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, and, how far is that from Delhi or is that quite far? Imagine? Yeah, it's very far. So if you think about, um, you know, um, uh, uh, flying from yeah. A to B, it, I believe Delhi, it takes about three hours or something. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. India is massive, isn't it? It's like you can, from one end to the other, it's, it can take like hours and hours. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like traveling from one end of Europe to the other end of Europe. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big country. Um, and I think because my family originally came from near Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Mumbai and Goa. So my mom's family is near Mumbai and my father's family from near Goa. So the languages, the native languages that are spoken in um, those areas are very different to the languages. Um, you know, each state has its own language. So the language spoken in near Mumbai is different from the language spoken in the South, which is Kerala. Mm-hmm. So the advantage you have is, um, you know, Every every person in India, every child in India is at least bilingual, mm. uh, but usually multilingual. And um, so, which means that sometimes you can't express yourself properly in any language. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> because yeah, your mind, you're thinking in so many different languages at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But is, is there like, 
one sort of a national language at least that everyone yeah. can understand each other yeah yeah thanks thanks to the british rule we of course have english yeah and, then, um, and of course the national language is hindi yeah so, hindi. um that's the national language but it's it's more in the north that people speak in hindi are more comfortable yeah uh, so in the south you know people do speak english um yeah. hindi and uh, the native languages so there's a minimum of three languages that you end up learning anyway yeah and, yeah and do they teach these in schools or you just learn by being in the environment yeah um the the local language i did not learn as much in school because i i chose to you can choose um you have to learn english and hindi of course yeah. and in the third language you can choose either sanskrit or the local native native language so because mm-hmm. my grandmother was sanskrit language anyway i chose to sanskrit language as opposed to the local language um yeah. and then when i went to uni um i learned the native language much better with the proper accent and everything so um yeah, yeah. so yeah it was, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. so yeah that was my childhood memory yeah so so that uh, that time with the grand uh, grandparents or your your grandma was at the time that you were going to a primary school yeah um um yes for a couple of years um mm-hmm. i was there for about 2 years and then of course my dad returned and we all moved to kerala and yeah. um, which is where my grandfather had you know set up um the business yeah. you know the mm-hmm. family um joint family and thing so we lived as a joint family um so we have this um it's still there the house is still there but not a, you know nobody lives there anymore but we we had a joint family with my dad and two of his other brothers and my um dad's mom um so the brothers their wives the children all of us we lived in a in a big house together yeah wow yeah. And, and is, that is, is is that quite quite uh, sort of common in in Indian culture that the family the community sort of live live together isn't it like you take care of each other you know the younger the middle and the older generation all like in in one yeah yeah i think it it was more before um mm. now i think um people are less um, tolerant towards each other in a way so everybody has their own nuclear families yeah. yeah um, but um definitely there were so many joint families around that time i i do remember mm-hmm. we you know we we as kids used to have so much fun oh my god you yeah. know we had mango trees in our um in our yard and we used to climb all the mango trees we used to get on top of the roof of the house and sit mm-hmm. there with the mangoes and sit and eat them um and one of my cousin brothers he loved pets you know loved having pets yeah. so we had we had cats we had dogs we had rabbits um you know like bunny rabbits we had um fish of course um mm. in you know in a fish tank then we had a little tortoise we had uh, parrots uh, lovebirds um we had a cow yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we had so many animals and and i think that that was such a great thing because you you develop a, a an affection towards mm. animals and uh, you appreciate you know all living things yeah um, well, mm. yeah and, so, and in in terms of like uh, 
produce and, and food and all of that? Did, did you get to sort of uh, grow your own or is, is, was that in, in a setting where uh, all of that or do you have like obviously like supermarkets or places that you go and buy food or is it all locally? Uh, you, you, you had to produce yourself, you go to the fields and do all of that or how was that setting? No, we didn't. Um... We didn't produce um, any of the vegetables or the uh, fruits. Of course, we had mango yeah. and uh, coconut trees and mango tr- um, trees in the you know in the backyard. Jackfruit. Mm-hmm. So th- there were a few fruits that yeah. we had. You know, papaya. Um, so these you know they, they were just there you know yeah. in the garden. So you don't you didn't do much to maintain them as such. Yeah. Um, not vegetable. Um, we d- we didn't grow veg- our own vegetables. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, I think all the space was taken up by the many cars of the different people <laughs> who were there. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, our, that house, it was, um, part of it was the, the home we lived in. And mm-hmm. part of it was like the, um, not factory, but it was the place where all the perfumes were mixed. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. It was called the go down. Um, so like a warehouse. Um, yeah. So that's where it was all um, stored and then the offices were on top. So, yeah, um, yeah. so we, we, the whole of, everything was kind of all encompassing. Mm-hmm. The, the factories were located in different locations. So um, one of the uncles lived closer to one of the factories and, um, you know, and so on. So it was kind of spread out. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. it, um, I think, yeah, I'm just trying to remember with the vegetables. Yes, we used to just buy local produce. Local from, produce, yeah. yeah. From, from the local um, little farm shops. And yeah. so I don't think there was a supermarket at that point. I don't think the concept of supermarket was as, you know, yeah. um, uh, as developed. Uh, yeah, as it is now, yeah, I imagine. And then uh, how did you go on from there, like uh, secondary school, university? So take, take us through those those years and the progression so in a few years um my dad my mom my sister and i the four of us we moved out of the joint family because one of the factories was located about an hour's drive from this so um we decided to move there uh, because to be closer to the factory because my dad was he's the youngest of the uh, you know brothers and sisters um so uh, well of the brothers. So he, um, so we moved to near one of the, uh, closer to one of the factories. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we, I went to a school near there. Um, I had an amazing school life. I mean, all yeah. my, you know, it, it went all the way from primary to secondary school. So mm-hmm. similar to, you know, s- schools from reception all the way to A levels. So yeah. that's how the yeah. school was. So, um, I mean, my school life was absolutely amazing. Uh, I had, I think, the, some of the best memories. You know, if if I look back, I had in my school life. You know, the usual stuff: your first crushes, your first, um, you know, um, all the rivalries and uh, you know, all the little squabbles, everything. So yeah. we, uh, it was a great time. I mean, all my school friends, we still keep in touch. We have a thanks to social media. You know, we have a WhatsApp group, and we keep in touch on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really nice because, you know, we, we've known each other for so long that, yeah. and when you know somebody's history and your childhood and even you've shared, um, mm-hmm. you can actually, you, you know that even though you have moved on and you have your own family and your own, 
new friend circles. Um, if you ever need anything, you know you can count on them in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's great to to have that uh, network, isn't it? You know, going Absolutely. back to those years because it just brings all those memories when you bring them back. It's like you know, it's yeah. A- it's great. Was it a, a boarding school or just a normal? You, you just, it was a day school. Yeah, it was a co-ed school, girls and boys, and it was a normal school. Um, um, as in no boarding. Um, they had, um, um, I'm just trying to remember, about 30 to 40 students in each class. And yeah. there were more, you know, we call them divisions. So it was just the one class per year group. So yeah. if, you know, because we had what, st- uh, first so you kind of year one all the way to year 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was about four, 400 odd students in the entire school. Yeah. And the head teacher was amazing because he remembered the names of every child. Really? Wow. <laughs> he knew every child's name. And there were so many siblings, you know, over there, you know. Um, so my mm. sister went to the same school. Um, my friend, her sister would be in the you know in the same class as my sister and you know so as families as well i think we would you know we would um, sometimes socialize um so it was yeah it was it was great um and i think at that point um in my school life um so how it is is you know i mentioned about the joint family yes um, and all the boys in our family joined the joint family business, mm-hmm. you know, the joint family business. They, they would join the business and all the girls, um, well, they didn't want to join the business. So they would take up a professional course. Mm-hmm. Um, the eldest of my cousins, she's a doctor. Um, the, the one, you know, the second one is a lawyer, the third one is an engineer. So everybody was doing professional courses. And when it came to me and I thought, huh, um, this I think was a bit um, silly when I look back on it. Um, I could have done anything, but I wanted to do a professional course, which was different to what anybody else had done. Yeah. And at that time, the choice was, choices were quite limited. So one of my friend's dad said that, oh, why don't you do ACA? And, uh, you know, because that's a professional course. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I am, I was then um, very good at exams, you know, yeah. uh, cracking exams. So mm-hmm. he said, oh, because ACA in India is really hard. Um, so to give you an example, I mean, 600 of us uh, wrote the exam um, at the center that I wrote in and mm-hmm. only six of us made it. Wow. Wow. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, they make it so hard. And also, you know, you, you struggle to get holidays to study so you have to do it in your own time on weekends or evenings mm. um, and you're doing your articleship you know your your work yeah. um, on the side your training on the side and uh, you have to pay for the education out of your pocket not like um, you know we we have it here um, yeah. where you know the, your employer sponsors you yeah you get you know as many holidays as required to sit and study your exams none of that so you had to do it on your own and um, not that it's very expensive, of course, but it's just, it's very difficult to juggle work and studies. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that's why I chose ACA in India. Mm. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, pass, um, 
Yeah. Wow. And then, um, yeah. And then I, I worked for a year in, um, another city because I, you know, and then, um, I met my husband, um, through one of these, uh, matrimonial websites. So yeah. it, online, uh, um, what should I say? Mm. Not, not a dating thing. Yeah. So you, it, it's with an intention to get married that you meet somebody. Yeah. 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 Sure. And it clicks. So mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And and how how was because uh, obviously the the uh, concept of uh, arranged marriages in India is is this uh, specific to certain parts of India or is it a national sort um, sort of uh, a thing that happens? What, what what's the um, how how does that work in in India? Because it's it's quite a big part of the cultural concept, isn't it? I think. Um, what it is is in India, it's um, you know date, the dating culture then uh, mm. changed quite a bit now. But the dating culture didn't you know it wasn't there at that point of time. You didn't mm. go out with a boy. You didn't have live-in relationships generally, unless mm. um, you were in the bigger cities. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the the way to meet a boy is either at you know where you're working or you're studying, mm. um, or if your parents find somebody suitable for you. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I mean, my um, grandparents had an arranged marriage. My my mm. parents had an arranged marriage. And I can see that they're still so much in love with each other, uh, even after how many years is it? 40, yeah, 40 years. Mm. And um, I think marriage is a, you know, it's a, it's a gamble. Whether yeah. you know them for 10 years and you get married, you know, mm. you know and get married or whether it's an arranged marriage i know yeah. it's a it is a cultural thing but there is a, a you know a little bit of a science behind it i think you know yeah yeah, yeah. you you are brought up in a certain way and um, with this certain luxuries in your life or or lack of lack thereof yeah. um, in an arranged marriage you you try to find somebody who has a similar upbringing as you and therefore similar values as you yeah yeah uh, and you know um, a social background or financial background etc mm -hmm. um and usually when there is a you know a certain match you 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 get people which with similar wavelengths anyway yeah sometimes it doesn't work and so you get the opportunity to meet somebody a few times and then gauge a little bit but of course like i said it's a risk at the end of the day but it, but it's it's risk in, in everything whether it's arranged or not arranged everything is risk. But I I, I guess the uh, the part of it is just the, the the cultural aspect and and it's also like you were saying it's it's deep rooted in the social understanding the values maybe between families and how people have uh, uh, grown up. So uh, from a cultural point of view, I, I imagine they they make it work and and it can work in certain situations. But like you say. You know, even if it's not that, if it's uh, another way, things can work or not work as well. So I, I don't think they. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a gamble. Ani and I we actually didn't meet face to face until the day before we got married. Hmm. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so it was a huge risk, and my parents were really nervous about it. Yeah. Um, we've been married for eighteen years this year now. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah. So it, it worked out. <laughs> it's yeah. not necessary that it works out for everybody, but yeah. I, I I don't think I could have um, you know I'm I'm glad that we met when we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
worked out. So yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's good. So with your SEO, you 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 did some work in 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 uh, in India. I guess uh, the SEO would have been nice. It it it, it would, it's seen as one of the prestigious qualifications in India, isn't it? To be able to attend that. So. You, you would have gotten like a, a really good job with it yeah, in India. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good, uh, I was happy with the job anyway, because for one thing, I wanted to leave home and experience, you know, independence yeah. and life for myself. And um, um, so it was good. I went to another city, which is a, a bit more of a happening yeah. city in India um, called Bangalore. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I had an absolutely fabulous time there. Um, yeah really good um yeah. i was independent earning money i could spend all the money that i earned <laughs> saving anything yeah um and wow. i had a good set of friends i i we um rented a, a little um apartment uh, kind of mason it um you know um and uh, there were four of us girls and we shared the house and yeah we had a great time it was really good <laughs> That's good. And then, uh, how how did the transition to come to the UK come about? Then, oh, that was Ani. Uh, my husband was working here um, mm. you know, when when we met um, yeah. online, and mm. then uh, he came down. We got married, and then, um, well, what we realized is if we wanted to spend time together and be together, we'd have to get married because that's the only way our parents would allow us to be together. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's why we decided to get married, and um, and then I moved here, and um, it was quite a big, a big blow to my uh, ego, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I came with this, you know, I was like, oh, I am an ACA, I'll just get a job anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then I realized that well, actually, my qualification is not recognized here, no. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, I worked at a at a medium sized firm um, for a while. So initially, I thought, oh, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to enjoy a relaxed, you know, homemaker life for a bit. Yeah. At working because I'd been working since I was 19, and I just you know thought that it'd be a good time to get a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but within I think a month or so, I, I realized I was going mad. because um in india it's like everybody is just there like you know you speak to everybody on on the road or your neighbors you know you chat with them and um everybody knows everybody kind of or everybody maybe everybody's a bit nosy uh so everybody wants to know what's happening with everybody but Mm -hmm. uh, because of that you feel it part of a community yeah and 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 the society and you know and you know that oh, there's somebody, if you want to talk to somebody, there's somebody there. And even if you're feeling lonely, you know that you can just chat with your neighbor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I came here, Ani used to go off on his work and I used to be at home. And it was just driving me mad because nobody spoke to each other. Everybody was in their homes. And I yeah. came winter time as well. So it was a horrible you know, weather. And um, I was like, oh, this is so cold. Because India, obviously, you know, where I live, yeah. it's so warm and you know hot even mm. um, so that was a a big climate shock you know change shock and um also um social uh yeah. shock mm. for me. um and and i think that's why i just realized i couldn't sit at home i would go mad if i just sat at home not you know spoke to anybody how much how much cooking can you do how much cleaning can you do all day yeah, absolutely <laughs> so, um, 
TV can you watch all day? I, I was going mad. Mm. Uh, so I used to speak to my parents every day, obviously. And um, but then I didn't want to tell them that I was feeling, you know, sad and lonely yeah. and all of that because. You know, your daughter goes off, gets married, goes to a new country, and you don't, you know, you don't want them to think, "Oh my God, what did yeah. she do?" <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that that was a, a slightly difficult phase, but I was lucky that I got a a, a job. I think I, I still remember I actually took my CV and went door to door to every um, chartered accountant uh, accountancy firm. Yeah. Uh, uh, that I could find in that in the local area. I just mm-hmm. just took my CV and I said, "Do you have a job? I'll just do anything. You know, can can I have yeah. a job?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody was a bit wary of giving a job to somebody without experience in the country. And um, mm. um, anyway, so I got my first job. It was quite far. I had to drive about an hour and a half, sometimes one way uh, for it, depending on the traffic. But I was like, "Okay, beggars can't be choosers here, so I have to do this." Mm. Um, so I did the job and then a um, friend of mine actually worked she still works in Deloitte um, mm. and at that point I was looking to move from this firm because I, I felt that I don't know if it was genuine or not um, or whether it was all in my um, but there, mm. there, I think there were elements of a little bit of racism um, yeah. because mm. it was very far away from London it was on the outskirt, you know, it was near Cambridge, uh, the mm-hmm. firm. Mm-hmm. And I, there were, I don't think there were any Asian, you know, Indian Asian yeah. in the firm. And um, I, I remember this, one of the, one of my colleagues said, oh, I said to them, oh, you should travel to India. It's quite an amazing country, you know. And mm-hmm. just looked at me and said, oh, I would never travel to an underdeveloped country. And I was like, mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you kind of you think, okay. You know, you have to visit to realize mm. how, how a certain country is. What you see on media and TV is not necessarily all true. Mm. And um, India being such a big country, it's so it's so diverse. Yeah. It's so diverse. So a village is not necessarily how a, a town is or a city is. Yeah. And the Himalayas are not necessarily how the Indian Ocean, you know, the, the beaches are. They're so different. Mm. Uh, so... But and therefore, I was very unhappy there um, because of the culture, and it was time to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually had a, um, an offer from KPMG at that time yeah. when my friend said to me, "Oh, um, why don't I put your CV through to Deloitte as well?" And especially oh, because we have a um, you know offer already, so yeah. you know, choose. And um, and I had an interview with uh, Paul Schofield. Do you remember? Yes, I remember Paul. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The partner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and he was so lovely. And, um, and I thought, oh, I, I, you know, it'd be nice if all the people in this firm are like this. I would love to work here. Mm. And, um, and that's what, um, you know, and then I decided to join. Um, Did I? Yeah. So I was there for about eight years, uh, mm. with eternity leaves. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. think, yeah. Sorry. So that that was a good a good a good time for you, yeah? a good period of uh, you know relating to good people in Deloitte and the work. Did you enjoy the work as well? I, I guess so. Having stayed for that long, yeah. Yes. Um, I think maybe I should have. Um, now when I look back, I think um, I kind of lost my enthusiasm um, to work at certain point. You know. Uh, 
I think the type of work I was doing perhaps, or um, the fact that, you know, my priorities were a little different with the children, you know, yeah. so different factors, um, which meant that I, I, maybe it was time to move on sooner. Mm. But I kept thinking, no, no, I should, you know, I should keep trying and I should keep mm. trying. And, um, but then um, what happened is after I had my younger one, um, my life became a, a lot more harder than I um, had initially anticipated. Yeah. Um, one, because with two kids, it's a completely different ball game, which I had not, you know, ever imagined to be. Um, mm. And the younger one, he, he wouldn't sleep well at night, which meant that I was, um, I was basically, you know, uh, without enough rest and without enough sleep. Mm. Um, which meant that, you know, I, I just, I was in a very bad frame of mind, you know, not even in a very good frame of mind anyway. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I worked part time and then I had also, um, I also wanted to do something with the family business. Yeah. We had in India. Um, and, and the way it happened is that, you know, people who traveled to India, they would come back to the UK or Europe, wherever, and then they would email my dad or call up my dad and say, oh, we tried your products in India and we absolutely fell in love with them. And where can we buy them? And then, so he said to me, why don't you keep a little bit of stock in your garage, you know, yeah. and whenever you receive, whenever I receive such inquiries, I'll just pass them on to you. And then it becomes easier to, um, you know, send them over to different people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, yeah, maybe I should do that. And then I met somebody who in, in Sweden who had set up, you know, a distribution for our product. And I, after I met her and she explained to me how things worked and I, and I thought, yeah, this, it sounds, you know, why, why, why am I not doing this? It's my family business. Mm. It's that I completely believe in. So why am I not doing that? Mm. Um, and so I thought, okay, so I worked three days a week at Deloitte yeah. and, and obviously the weekend was my family time. Yeah. Um, okay. I have two days. So why don't I do the, start the business on the other two days? Yeah. Um, this is where I think I overstretch myself. Yeah. <laughs> with the with the young baby, you know, he he was, he was just born in two thousand eleven, and um, doing a part time job. Yeah. And doing the business, I I think I was you know in over my head a little bit. Took on too much. Yeah. Too much. Took on too much. Um. And and of course, you know, I've I've always been a perfectionist, which I now realize is overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to do everything perfectly. I wanted to do this perfectly. I wanted to, and none of it was happening to the standards that I set for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I pushed myself and I was very unhappy and I could see that I was having a breakdown. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. So I could tell I was having a breakdown, but then I was like, no, no, I'm stronger than that. I can't have a breakdown. I can, I can see through this mm-hmm. thing. I, I can push through it. Um, but I think in 2013, when I was literally, you know, I was, I, you know, I could feel that I was having a breakdown and, and my husband saw it as well. And he said, no, you can't go on like this. You yeah. have something. Obviously, you can't give up your family. So you, know, you have to give up your job or the business and, and see what you want to do. And I said, yeah. well, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing anymore. With yeah. work. So maybe it's time that I give up my job, take a step yeah. back and think about what I want to do. Um, maybe I give the, the family business a, a shot. And yeah. do I enjoy that, you know, um, or do I choose something else, which, which gives me more 
you know, enjoyment, also better work-life balance. Mm. Uh, and that's and that's where at that point where I took a career break for three months, mm. uh, and then I started trying to set up the the business properly in, a, in as a structure. Mm. And then at the end of the three months, I decided that I didn't want to go back. So yeah, um, yeah, and and that was two thousand and thirteen. And at the end of 2013, we launched the um, these you know spice extracts um, yeah. and natural extracts called spice drops mm-hmm. uh, range um, towards the end of 2013. So we did some market stand, you know, Christmas um, markets. Yes, yeah. out, um, mm-hmm. and the reaction we got from people was just absolutely amazing. Wow! Uh, and the thing is, I mean, when you when you put in when you're doing a, a nine to five job, you know, um, the response you get or the feedback you get is not necessarily instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a while for yeah. everything to flow through the, the feedback to be collated. And it's probably at the end of the year or the end of the quarter or whatever, that you get some feedback about how you've been performing. Yeah. yeah. The business, it's instant. You know, you you put an effort and you see the response. It might be good. It may not be good, but at yes. least you get it. Um, and it's, it's like, um, it's like a drug, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> you get this, um, you put in all this effort and you see the, um, the feedback and all the feedback that I was receiving was so positive. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That really excited me. And I thought, you know, this is what I want to do then. This is mm-hmm. what I should do. Um, and we were very fortunate that in 2014, we entered a competition with um, Ocado. Yeah. Line supermarket. And um, we, so there, there were about, I don't know, some a few hundred applications that went in. Out of that, they selected about 40 of them, I think. And mm-hmm. then out of the 40, we had to present to the buyers. And then out of that, they selected five. Mm-hmm. We had to go and pitch to, you know, search Stuart Rose, who was the, um, you know, head basically um, in Ocado, and um, and sh- the chef Tom Kerridge, you know, the mission. Yeah. Um, and um, so that's what we did in 2014. And we didn't win the competition, but we, uh, we went on to get a listing in Ocado on the back of that. Yeah! Wow! Mm-hmm. It, was, it was amazing. I mean, you know, yeah, you, that's great. Get this listing with a, you know, it's it's online, but it's national, you know, supermarket. Yeah. So that was great. Um, so yeah, and and from there on, you know, there have been milestones after milestones, which has you know kept me sort of you know and you know motivated and going with the business. Mm. Uh, there there are a lot of things that I learned the hard way, which yeah. I, I had maybe invested in in certain um, kind of market research or maybe consultants to help, mm. you know, with, um, maybe I could have navigated those, you know, very long learning curves quicker. Quicker, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But this is all hindsight, which is always 2020. So. Yeah, it's, uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But, uh, wow, so it, it's at that, that point, like like you say, you, you, you discovered something that uh, uh, you are now enjoying. But, uh it's, it seems to be like it came out of a, a crisis of some sort, like when, when, when you're actually uh, struggling, not uh, able to balance, and you could see you are not enjoying your work. Maybe you could try this. So I guess it's, uh, it's, it's quite common for most people, isn't it, to take a leap from something into something else. 
uh, sort of tends to take a, a bit of a crisis of some sort or another. Uh, so I, gu I guess for you, look, look, looking back, if it wasn't that, I mean, would, would you have had a, a moment, even uh, let's say before you, you decided, when you came here, before you decided to actually go and knock, knock on doors to, to actually find a job, wasn't there a moment at that time when you could have thought maybe to, to do the family business at that point or that, no. that occurred at all? Absolutely not. It was only in 2010 that mm. this idea, after I had been to Sweden, you know, like I mentioned, um, that mm. I had this idea in my head that, hmm, why am I not doing this? You know, we mm. have amazing products. You know, the mm. people love them. You know, anybody who has tried them, our soaps, you know, we have a, a natural skincare range as well i don't yeah. talk about our soaps i mean our soaps are absolutely amazing yeah. and um you know i had this when i went to sweden i met this um lady who had this really peculiar skin condition mm. and she said to me you know I'd, I'd never used i had stopped using any form of uh cleaning product you know soap mm. and hand wash etc you know creams even on my hands because you know everything reacts so badly and then i used your soap and look at my hands they're healed you know, yeah. you know it's the kind of reaction you get from people and you think oh my god you know yeah. am i blind why did i not you know see these <laughs> things but the thing is sometimes you when you're so close to something you mm. don't realize how wonderful it is it is wow That's... and and it's not just things it's not a business it's even people isn't it sometimes you you don't realize how amazing people are because you just take them for granted at times yeah wow That's um, so powerful. yeah <laughs> yeah i i think um so the, the in 2010 towards the end of 2010 that, that was an eye opener for me but obviously in 2011 i had my second one so there was a you know i wanted to focus a bit more on him but mm. i also to start doing something with the business um, mm. and then when I went back to Deloitte and then it was getting all a bit of a struggle in 2012 and in 2013 early 2013 is when you know I left the job mm. um, the other thing is it was really really hard for me to make that decision to quit my um, ACA profession you know yeah. um, because it is people would you know kill to have the degree in India yeah. mm. And I had done it twice, mind you. I did it in India, then I came here, and then I did it all over again. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, you know, none the wiser, though, <laughs> after doing it twice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, you know, and so it was It was really hard to let go of that because when I, whenever I spoke to somebody about it, and they were like, oh, my God, why are you, why are you leaving this career? You have your job with, with Deloitte. You know, it's one of the big fours. And, you know, and... You know, I'd done really well in India when I did my ACA. I got a gold medal. Um, okay. When I came here in the UK, when I did the ACA exam here, I had received one of the awards for business management paper, yeah, rail mm -hmm. award or something. So I topped the paper. So academically as well, I'd done really well in the exams and mm -hmm. had this. You know, from the outside, I had the perfect career. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but I think when you're not happy, you're not happy, isn't it? And it's time to move on. But it's very difficult to make that decision. And I think if Ani, you know, my husband hadn't encouraged me to do it, I wouldn't have done it. And I think you do need somebody to push you, to support you. In yeah. The right direction. And, right. 
help you to make the right decision. Mm. Yeah, because because otherwise it is it is difficult, isn't it? When you're you're surrounded by a culture that is more like you know your education, you get a job, you've got a good job, a decent job. So almost if you're making a decision that is different to that, it's like you're pushing against the gradient, and okay. sometimes that can 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 weigh you, you weigh you down. But when when in fact in yourself you're not as happy doing doing that it's not uh, so much to your values and the your situation has changed so that was quite interesting how how, how did you find the because obviously doing your own business that's the entrepreneurship side of uh, uh being and, and and doing business as opposed to uh, having an employer where you've got the security of uh you know your monthly income and the holidays or the uh, maternity pay and leave and all of that over to the entrepreneur side, whereby you're almost working your own hours. There's no uh, specific holidays and all of that. How did you find that that transition for you? Yeah, um, it was really strange, actually, um, mm. because I love the fact that I had my own time to manage. Mm. That I could pick up and drop off the kids myself. I could, you know, cook, um, you know, proper meal for them, which yeah. is really time they came back um you know the the chores were all done you know for the weekend we had free weekends of any you know no supermarket trips or no laundry to do it was all done during the week because i would run the work and you know do it that way so everything was done by the time my family was at home i was free and you know so which was great Uh, but then there's always a flip side um, to every everything, there are advantages and disadvantages. Of yeah. course, the, the it's a big um, strain on your uh, family budget, obviously, because yeah. you know, when you have two people working and earning decent incomes, you become used to a certain lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Then once that one income is completely taken away, and then you're left with one, and then you you know that you have to be a bit careful. Yeah. Um, now, the Indian um, culture, you know, there's a big Indian cultural thing about saving money. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you always set aside some part of your income. Mm. Uh, the good thing was majority of my income was being saved at that point. Yeah. So, like, we needed that part of the income to do, you know, yeah. things that we need to do as a family. But um, not having, a, you know, the, the savings is is not having a safety net. Yeah. <laughs> which makes every Indian very nervous. Wow. <laughs> so uh, mm. that, I think, was very, it was very challenging to, to our mindset to yeah. uh, to get used to the fact that, okay, we may not be putting anything towards saving. Maybe we are going to use up our savings now. Mm-hmm. Not working, um, you know, for anything special, like if we have to buy a house or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, mm. By then, we had already bought our first house. We yeah. already, um, we'd had our kids, so the maternity leave had been sorted, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and um, so it was it was about you know focusing on the work. Yeah. And initially, you put in out of your pocket to invest, unless you have an investor. Yeah. You know, yeah. Out of your pocket, and that's what we did. We we put it out of our pocket, and and I think there wasn't. Um, what what I didn't do initially was to draw a line as to where I'd stop taking from our personal funds into the business. Mm-hmm. 
I would just dip into their personal funds as and when I needed them. Yeah. Being a proper track. Now you'd think I'm an accountant, so I should do this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when you're running your own business, to change from a corporate mindset, yeah, move to an entrepreneur's mindset, mm. it takes you a very long time. Mm. Very long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it took me a, a few years to to change my mindset. And not to think about, oh, I have to do this. That you're so risk averse in your mm. job. And also, you know, in Deloitte, you, mm. you are taught to mitigate all the risks. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you, in, in audit, you know, in general, um, you're so risk averse. So to move to something like this, where you have to take a risk all the yeah. time, <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard to change your yeah. mindset. Mm. So, because it's it's like you're you're moving by instinct, isn't it? Because this is your baby, this is something you're creating. But on on the other side, you don't have uh, that view of um, what it will turn out to be, what success it may eventually be, like how big it's going to become. But you just have to trust your instinct and just keep going. And like you're saying, deep into your saving and just make going. So it can be quite a challenge, indeed, isn't it? Yeah? Absolutely. Um, I think. Um, I've read these two quotes, which, well, one, somebody said to me, the first thousand years, uh, thousand years, sorry, thousand days. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> one second. Beta, I'm on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so somebody said to me that the first thousand days of your business, mm-hmm. if you get through those, then you will see the you know, the, the mm. other side of it. But if yeah. you don't survive those first thousand days, yeah, it's likely that you have to shut down your business. <laughs> and I think <laughs> it's, that was one thing. And the other thing was being an entrepreneur is like somebody punching your stomach every day. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yes. It's yeah. a bit like that. Um, mm. Cause you have to think about so many different things every point not just as an entrepreneur because it's your business you have to think about okay where's the money coming in who do i have to pay how mm-hmm. do i do marketing what types of marketing do i do which products do i push you know it's this constant thing and then people are constantly everybody has their own agenda so they're yeah. constantly sending you this pieces of information or asking you for pieces of information and you have mm-hmm. to talk to them how do you prioritize yeah what, so I think time management is such an essential skill. And, and I think as a, you know, what I did in my career, every element of it, it has helped me mm-hmm. do the things that I am doing now or I did once I set up my business. There's so many things, you know, the attention to detail that you have to give in, in audit, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the due diligence that you have to do, yeah. uh, you know, so even before I set up my business, about six to nine months, I spent just getting all the due diligence in place, making mm. sure that, you know, we had ticked all the the checklist, the innumerable checklist that you have to fill up. Isn't it? That the, those are things that get you ready for these things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, uh, getting all those things right. And and I think that helps because then you know that, you know, you you have done your groundwork, you've set your foundation, and then now you start building on that. Mm. Um, I, I won't lie um, that 
that they were, you know, there were so many moments and I, I won't lie about it that I didn't feel like quitting yeah. times. Oh, so many times. Mm. Um, up until last year, even I was thinking, oh, I, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I, should I keep doing this? You know, mm. um, so many th- times that you question yourself because you're, you're, on, you're on this, you're in this on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can be quite isolating sometimes being an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, but, you know, you speak to, you know, I've made such amazing friends on my entrepreneur journey, amazing friends, women, men, you know, um, mentors, um, people with so much experience, people with yeah. no experience at all who are far more wiser than, you know, mm. I am and um, who have guided and um, helped and, you know, pulled me up when I was feeling low and, mm-hmm. you know, I've, and I've, I've learned so many amazing things. Oh my God. I'm so, I feel my life is richer. You know, that's not to disrespect anybody who chose to follow their career path. Mm. But for me, um, I think my life has become so much more richer than it probably would have been if I had just continued doing what I yeah. did before. Um, yeah. Yeah, I learned to develop a website, which, you know, I would have never learned to do otherwise, you know, yeah. I, wow. I sell at a market stand, you know, yeah. um, and I never would have done otherwise. Yeah. So, and you meet these amazing chefs and, you know, um, with the spice drops, I mm. met amazing food businesses and chefs and, you know, cause food, industry is very passionate industry. It's very passionate. Um, you know, because food is, Oh, you know, who doesn't love food? Exactly. Everybody have to eat. That's life, isn't it? And I saw on on your website, you even got a, this quotes from uh, the likes of uh, Nigella Lawson and and people like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was, yeah, that was amazing in itself. Um, and you know, people who are knowledgeable about food and drink and, when they give you these testimonials and feedbacks, you just feel, oh, wow, yes, I am doing something right. <laughs> so it, it sort of compasses for all those moments when you're feeling it's hard and you're feeling like quitting and, and all of that. Because I, I guess it's it's such a balancing act, isn't it, in the sense that you're just setting something up. Most of the stuff that you probably need to get ahead, like, uh, you know, sales and websites and things, you need to spend money on, but... You don't you you don't want to stand spending big when you probably don't have that money and you don't know what the end result will get you and you try and actually do most of those things yourself and it just feels all overwhelming. So it, it is quite a balancing act. But like okay. if you just stick to it, you know, follow your instincts and go on and carry it on, you know, the results in the end can be amazing, isn't it? You know. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think, I don't know if it is because of my products or because of, um, you know, where I am with my life. Um, I have become a lot more, you know, in, I have gotten a lot more into mindfulness, you know, and, um, and I think that's helped me center as well a lot more than Mm. I a year ago, even, Mm. Um, you know, that doesn't mean to say that I don't lose my temper. That doesn't, say that you don't get frustrated and upset about things but mm-hmm. it's made me I think the biggest thing that it helps me is to face my fears yeah wow 
mm-hmm. and I think um, if we can face our fears, then I think we could pretty much do anything. Yeah, I mean, I you might lose all your money, but if you can face the fear of losing it, yeah, you'll be okay. Mm. And I don't think that this is, of course, you know, this is what I've come to. And like you rightly said, mm. with a business, is always a chicken and egg. Do yeah. I have money or do I wait for the money to come back? How, and you keep trying to do so much yourself. Mm. Uh, but the good thing I did very early on is I actually um, outsourced my fulfillment, you know, the uh, packing of all the orders and posting yeah. it up. I outsourced it to a fulfillment mm. house very early on um, in my business. And mm. I think that was the best thing I did. Yeah. Otherwise, even today, I would be sitting and packing orders, you know. And you can't, you have to think about a business as how would this be, you know, if it was growing on a growth path? Mm. What are the things? And, you know, even yesterday, I spoke to somebody who said, Oh, I've started this business, but I do the picking and packing myself. Mm. Um, I said, okay, but if you outsourced it, would you still be making that much money? And mm-hmm. they were like, no, we wouldn't be. And then is the business still profitable if you were outsourcing it? Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be profitable anymore. It would be a loss-making business. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then that's where you need to think about whether this is a viable business or not. Yeah. Um, and I think what I did early on was I outsourced my accounting. Although, you know, being an accountant, you want to do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. But I realized that I couldn't do it all myself. I had to outsource certain elements of it. So mm-hmm. I outsourced my accounting and admin. Mm-hmm. I outsourced my um, fulfillment very early on. Mm-hmm. That then freed up my time to do a lot of the marketing and business development. Yeah. That, you know, that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that, that that was the right way to do it for me. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. right to do it. Um, it did put me um, under a lot of financial pressure, but now where the business has grown and it's making money, mm-hmm. uh, which means that I don't now have to worry about those costs because they were already factored in. They were already in, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so you know, it may not be the right course of action for everybody, but it was the right course of action for yeah. me, and it's paid off now. It's paying off now. Yeah, that that that's a great way to look at it, isn't it? Because you're not just thinking of the now. You're 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 thinking and looking at uh, uh, you know the growth uh, of of the, of the company. Where do you do you want to be? Uh, yeah. so, you know, when when you get there, what is the support and the systems and everything that you need? So if you start thinking of those things now, it makes it easier for for the for the for the future, which is uh, which is really great. Wow. Yeah. It's it's such such a, an an inspiration, wonderful story. I mean, just uh, um, maybe a bit a bit more of the the things that uh, you've learned. Like like I mean, you've said there, even for yourself, stopping and taking stock and thinking of uh, how many things and how much you've learned either about yourself, about business, about entrepreneurship. Those are the things that, uh, like you say, if you had just chosen and followed the path of uh, uh, you know, uh, working, you you wouldn't have or have understood. And those are the things that uh, for people wanting to make that jump, they are afraid of those risks. You know, that fear of uh, it, it's almost the unknown. You know, but uh, when you take that leap, it just comes so full of uh, lessons and enrichment of life and all all kind of things that you can learn. Yeah, <laughs> mind you, though, no, not everybody has the luxury to take that risk. And, you know, um, I, 
I, I, I was fortunate that I could take that risk because we had a stable income from coming yeah. from husband. And mm. if you don't have that, then sometimes you can't take that risk and you can't take that plunge. Mm. And that's fine. You know, that's also fine. Mm. Yeah. Do at the end of the day, isn't it? And then you have to make your peace with it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, what, what does it mean for you to sort of... Uh, carry on that uh, family legacy and, and tradition and, uh, uh, you know, something that has been in your family for, you know, since you were young and, and just carrying it on. What, what does that mean for you? Well, it's, 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 um, for me, it's really great to be able to do that. Um, originally when I set up the business, it was never about making the profit for the business. Yeah. Um, that's not a good mindset to start a business with. <laughs> you have to think about the profitability. Um, I think yeah. I just thought about, see, our factory in, in India is, is, a, is a women's enterprise. Mm-hmm. So more than 80% of the staff in our factory are women. Yeah. And it so happens that they come from very disadvantaged backgrounds. So, you know, um, single mums in India, are, you know, it's not an easy life, single mm. women. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And many of these women are, you know, uh, divorced or abandoned by their husbands or uh, widowed. Um, So they're single moms. And um, so there's a big responsibility on their shoulders. Yeah. yeah. You know, a factory is almost like a safe haven for them Mm. to to come there, express themselves. And you'd think, you know, 25, 30 women in a factory, there would be a lot of noise and maybe a, a bit of squabbling going on. But... I think they have so much going on in their personal life, so many, so many hardships that mm. when they come in, they just leave it all outside and they're just happy to be there in the space. Mm. Um, and so they've, you know, they, it, it's when I set up the business, it was all about, yes, I want to do this because I want the women in the factory to gain from this as well. Yeah. Um, that. But then soon enough, you realize that you have to put in so much money into any, any business needs so much money for marketing. Yeah. It needs a lot of money for marketing. Mm. And I thought, at one point I thought maybe I, I should get an outside investor. Yeah. Uh, but I made a conscious decision very early on that, um, that maybe I don't want an outside investor mm. because, um, the goals and the, the ethos that we have for our business, not everybody is going to have the, those same yeah. ethos. Where I don't have profitability as my um, primary focus, um, an investor wouldn't be happy with. Yeah, I see. Um, and so I think you have to find the right, um, right way forward for you. So I'm fortunate now that what, what we make we have enough to invest in the business, reinvest in the business. Mm. Uh, but it takes a long while to get to that without an injection of investment. Investment, yeah. yeah. So, what, you know, I think you, you have to decide whether you want an investor and maybe adapt to what, you know, their goals for the business would be. Mm-hmm. Or you choose to work really, really hard to build the business to that stage where it then starts generating money. And it's, it's a long path to it. Yeah. To it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, 
And it's that path that's the hardest bit. So where I where I thought, you know, this is my family business and this is what I want to do. And this is, you know, I want to give back to the community and I want to do this for the women in our country, do for the for my grandfather who set up the business, for my parents who mm. are still working so hard at, you know, in their sixties and seventies. Yeah. But where so that was all that I wanted to do for the business. I never thought that I need to make money out of this. Out of it. Yeah. When you have just given up a, a decent paying job, <laughs> I can imagine. But 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 that's just you know, it it just shows that when you when you're looking at value and and meaning to life and contribution that you're making, it's not always necessarily the the money side and the profit side as well. Because you you get so much more of uh, you know the good feeling of uh, you know social contribution and the difference you're making to those women who are working there so that that almost becomes uh you know your 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 benefit the the value you're receiving from it rather than just the uh, uh the, the the money side and the profit of it you know and that that in in, in some respect and in most respects certainly applies for you is 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 more, even more valuable than actually making a profit out of it because of the difference that you are seeing and you are making to, to people, you know, and uh, it 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 does uh, make it tricky, like you're saying, when you're looking for an investor, how do you find someone who can share the that that those values that uh, it's not just about making profit, so it becomes quite quite tricky, but uh, it's just such a, an 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 awesome awesome story, you know. So, so it's uh, seems it's been quite a quite an interesting journey for you. So just uh, give us a, a sense of uh, your your range of products, like the the full set of what what you actually produce in your uh, in the company. Our factory. Well, we have two separate branches um, of uh, or two product ranges in our factory. One mm -hmm. is a personal care range. Personal care. Mm -hmm natural skincare, you know, shampoos and soaps and creams and oils and mm -hmm. massage oils and all of that. Yeah. And then we have the spice extracts or mm -hmm. herb extracts, so which are essentially liquid spices. Yeah. So if you think of vanilla extract. Yeah. So it's similar to that, but we have a range of 35 flavors. So including something like mulling spices. So if you're making mulled wine for Christmas, yeah add three or four drops to a glass of red wine, stick it in the microwave and it's mulled wine ready. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we have cardamom, cinnamon, and um, they're great for baking. So um, if you watch the Great British Bake Off, the last mm -hmm. two seasons, you know, um, uh, the contestants actually used our drops in the competition. Wow. <laughs> which I didn't even know. Uh, and the, the first time I was, I wasn't watching it. The second time I was in Turkey when it happened. And yeah. so it was, it was amazing because, you know, you can't, you can't dream up these things. Sometimes they just happen, you know, the same yeah. way it came from Nigella Lawson. You, you couldn't dream up these things. They just, yeah. Wow. And, they happen. and then that gives you more faith in the business. Yeah. In, so, mm. yeah. but yeah. we, these product ranges, they're all natural um, products, you know, with the skincare range that we don't use any harsh chemicals. We use, you know, natural ingredients where possible. There are yeah. and sulfates in them and um, mm. it's all vegan. All our products are vegan. Wow. Um, mm. with, the, with the extracts, they're also alcohol-free. So, you know, it ticks all the dietary um, 
boxes, you know, vegan, gluten-free. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, because everybody now has so many different um, requirements. So mm. it's difficult to tick all those boxes. So we try. Yeah. We try. Mm. Wow. And how, how did the, the, the business, going back all those years, like your grandparents, how did they come to... You know, understand the the research or the development of, of this product. Like, how how did they come to to understand? Because I mean, to to create these kind of things, you need you know the research, the testing, make sure everything works, the ingredients. How do you know what to source, how to add, how to extract it, and all of that? How did that come about? And even even going forward, like new product developments, do you have like a research de- uh, and development center as part of the business? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, um, when it started off with my grandfather, um, I wish I I, could, I, ha- I would have had the chance to sit down and talk to him, but he mm. he passed away before I was born, uh, sadly. So it's, it's all what I've heard from my parents, mm. yeah, uh, or my father. Mm. Um, he was, um, he, you know, um, my grandfather was quite a quite the entrepreneur. I think he was a true entrepreneur, and you know, mm. he took. All the initial risk, isn't it? Um, he he relocated his family of, you know, he had uh, eleven children. Um, so relocating from a little village into to Kerala to set up this business, and he was actually one of the um, pioneers in the essential oils industry. Yeah, um, he was the first person in India to start um, vetivert plant, you know, oil extraction yeah. on a commercial basis. Mm. Um, and um, in, you know he, he he had this charismatic personality. So I think there were a lot of people who wanted to work with him, help him, teach yeah. him, guide him. Um, yeah. That really helped. And I think at the end of the day, this is the biggest lesson I have learned that people um, do business with you if they like you. If they like you, yeah. <laughs> um, if they don't, you might have the best product in the world, but they will not do business with you. Yeah. Um, and. And I think that's what was on my grandfather's side. He had a great personality, yeah. um, and you know, and he had a very intelligent mind to yeah. develop things. So our original business was perfumery, mm-hmm. um, installation, extraction, you know, perfumery business. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. was set up in the 1940s. Wow! Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then my father, I think he started, um, you know, like I said, because the house and the the place where you did all this mixing was next to each other. So he mm. got very early on when I think when he was in his 15 when yeah. he was or something, he started going into the factory, you know, the, um, so he, he's a very good perfumer himself. Yeah. And he's very good with agriculture as well. And that's mm. why he was in Bhutan for eight years. Um, because there was this, um, um, requirement where the natives of Bhutan needed to be trained um, in agriculture. And mm. what my father helped them was to cultivate and distill and extract lemongrass oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, our lemongrass spice drops is amazing because of mm-hmm. this, you know, because of this amazing knowledge that my father has about it. Yeah. And so he was there for eight years helping them do this and set up the agricultural industry um, mm. with lemongrass over there. Mm. And then, um, in 2000, you know, the family business had a big setback. Um, and so it kind of, um, um, 
there, there was an external setback that happened and because of which then it, it kind of broke down a little bit. So, yeah, so he, he helped with the lemongrass cultivation. And then, um, no, yeah, um, in 2000, you know, in the 90, late 1990s, our business suffered a setback. So in 2000, then my dad um, set up this the product range that we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to start from scratch because um, it had the, the, the main family business has, had kind of collapsed. Yeah. Um, and so he had to start from scratch with this product range yeah mm-hmm. and the skincare range so he developed the skincare range he again he had a mentor who guided him yeah. on and because he had um the relationships and the goodwill you know for yeah. the number of years it were you know the supply chain wasn't as difficult and then and there were people who said look you know we know that you have you're going through difficult times so don't worry about paying us at the moment just wow. take products, develop them, sell them, and when you make the money, you can pay us then. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, these were external factors that had brought the collapse of the business. It wasn't something. Um, it wasn't a fraud or a you know something that had done um, yeah. to lead to it. And I think that that was that that meant that the integrity and the goodwill was still intact. Still intact. Yeah. Mm. Therefore, people were willing to help and guide. Mm. And so, yeah, and so my father set up this um, business and um, so he decided to do something different to the, the original perfumery trade mm-hmm. uh, or oil, not perfumery, but essential oil trade. Yeah. That was, um, and so he, he set this up um, and yeah, and like I said, you know, um, the soaps and the creams and the oils and, you know, all of those um, people would try them in, in the little hotels and resorts in Kerala because they were so good. You know, it, you have to try them to believe them. They, they just, yeah. you know, they're so good. Um, yeah. I have to give you some to try them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and so what's, what's the, the future vision for you? Where, where do you see the business and yourself developing going forward? Let's say like five, ten years from now. What's the, the big vision? I can't, um, I, I cannot talk about tomorrow even you know we don't know uh, where we're going right um, you that there would be a lockdown uh, and people would be washing their hands for 20 seconds every time and, uh, and therefore uh, they would sell more of our soaps um, who would knew that who would knew that people would be baking and having lots of gin and tonic in the last six months and yeah. they're using our spice drops as much so, yeah <laughs> I, I, you know, what, what the spirit has taught me is to just take each day as it comes and not think about, you know, five years and 10 years. We don't know where we're going. Yeah. Have you, have you faced challenges on the production side back in India as well as a result of this? Um, for six weeks, the factory was shut down. Hmm. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenge because we saw a big jump in our sales here in the UK and Europe. Uh, like I said, you know, people were baking lots more. People were drinking a lot more gin and tonic. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were washing their hands a lot more. So, you know, using our products a lot more, um, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but obviously, six-week break in production doesn't help, which mean, meant that we were out of stock a lot of times. Um, yeah. It was disappointing, you know, I'm sure, to people who wanted to buy, but also for us because um, there was absolutely no support from the government of India for the factory. Wow. You know, the government in the UK has been fabulous, but 
um, my business did not get any support um, because we kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah. We don't, uh, I don't have a premise, you know, over here mm. because I outsource my fulfillment. If you, if I had a warehouse or an office space uh, of my own, then I would have gotten something like 10 grand, flat 10 grand support. Mm. Um, but having said that, I'm glad that I did not get that support because I'm sure there were people who needed far more than yeah. I did. Um, mm. because our business actually did better mm. in this period than so many other businesses did. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, you take free um, help from the government. At some mm. point, you have to pay it back in some form or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's such an uh, inspirational story, uh, your, your story, Gauri, you know, coming from uh, uh, India with such a, a happy childhood, you know, wonderful memories of growing up, your primary school and your, your school where you went to, you know, doing so well in your exams, doing this uh, SEA, you know, getting, getting to work and then having to come here, facing the challenges of a new country and then yeah. trying to find your way out, getting a job and then the challenges within that and taking those taking you into entrepreneurship. So it's such a, a fascinating story. And uh, uh, there's uh, so many lessons in there that people listening to this podcast will actually pick up in terms of uh, uh, what they should uh, uh, do, the things that they should pursue, even if they have dreams of their their own, for example. So uh, it's, it's such a, a wonderful, so inspiring to actually listen to you. And, yeah. <laughs> and, to, and I did just say something, you know, one, one thing I want to just say, and I don't think we do this enough. Um, and, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, academically and uh, in my career or whatever, I have always seen myself as very successful. Now, yeah. the definition of success is very different for everybody. Mm. But yeah, go on, you were saying about success and when you started the business. Yes. Um, well, when I started the business, I mean, the definition of a successful business is the one that makes a lot of money. Mm. You know, generally, that's the, the definition of success. Yeah. And I think um, more often than not, I beat myself up quite a bit initially mm. about not being successful in my business because I, you know, I've, you know, I've topped my exams. I've been successful in my career. So why is it that I'm not making as much money as I want to make mm. in the business? Why am I not making millions yet? Yeah. You know? uh, so you beat yourself up so much. And I think um, that's not good. That's not healthy. Um, yeah. And I realized that maybe a little later than I should have, um, you know, mm. um, and I think, to reach that place where you're happy with any success you make, you, you, you any any success you achieve, um, mm. even if it be a good word from somebody about how well you've done in your business, mm. um, even if a, an amazing feedback from somebody to mm. say, oh, I used your products and I loved it, you know, mm. even that is success, you know. Yeah. And, um, as entrepreneurs, and I've seen this with my peers as well we don't give ourselves enough credit and i think the moment we start doing that that's when we will feel that we are being successful in our business mm, 
Wow, that that's awesome. It, it's almost like it's 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 uh, it's the journey that you should actually be enjoying. You know, all the little wins, like you're saying, the the, the thank yous, the oh, you know, this has helped me. It's healed my hands. It's it's done this. All those small moments of successes that are what you should enjoy in the journey. So, uh, I mean, for someone who was uh, looking to jump into entrepreneurship or do something that uh, uh, it, it's more aligned to their values and what it means to them. What, what would be your, your advice, like a bits of advice that you, you, would, you would offer them that they should think about? Uh, um, I think every entrepreneur journey is very different. Um, every product is different. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to understand when a business is, and, and this is one thing that, you know, I, I think we all should, me included, if a business is not viable, then we need to know when to give up as well. Yeah. And I think um, we keep pushing ourselves because we want to try to make that successful and we want to do it. But, you know, sometimes it it is not. That doesn't mean that you are a failure in life. Mm -hmm. It's just that that product wasn't the right product and you can try something else. Um, And I think that's the, the... the only advice I would give, because other than that, it's all my experiences that I can share, but I don't think I can give out. I I don't think I'm well placed to give advice about a lot of things, but Mm. I I would say that if, if it's not viable, you know, once you realize that just give up, don't, don't keep, you know, not, don't keep trying like the spider who kept trying to climb the wall and try and try till you succeed, because sometimes it may not happen. It may not be the right thing. It may not be the right time. And it's fine. Yeah, you, you just look for for something else that uh, that uh, is probably more aligned to to what you can do. What what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, have you had obviously for you, you've had interaction with a, a lot of people. But two key things, like the the importance of being in the right frame of mind and mindset, and also how about uh, looking for inspiration to other people, like mentors that will actually help you and guide you in the business. Have you found that? quite useful mentors that have actually uh, helped you and guided you on certain situations? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have, um, you know, a a mentor who she's, again, she's a very mindful person. And I think Mm. that helps because I I remember there were so many moments where some, a little challenge would come my way and I would feel, oh my God, I would feel a catch in my heart and I would feel, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is so difficult. And I, I just, I just feel drained and I, I would, you know, and I would speak with her and she'd be like, no, oh, no, just go out into the garden, look at the leaves, yeah. look at the flowers, look at the colors, just do that for five minutes, you know, no more, just go do that. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. And then and you, you know, you see the beauty around you and you realize that actually it's not all that bad. It's, yeah. it's not all that hard. It's, mm-hmm. you know, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know? So yeah. she, she helped me do that, you know, yeah. she do that mm-hmm. a bit more. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, find a mentor again, who has similar ethos and values as you mm-hmm. um, and, and speak to them. Um, I know there are, you know, people who do mentoring on a paid basis as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, she's my mentor and a friend. So, you know, um, but later on, I mean, she's so valuable. She's been so valuable to me and to the mm-hmm. business. 
that we decided to include her as a shareholder in the business. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So we, we, Ani, you know, my husband and I, who were the other shareholders, we decided to give a, a part of our uh, yeah. ownership to her because we just thought she was invaluable and she's yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, so, but also speak up, you know, speak out or speak to and share things. Mm. Maybe not all the all the nitty gritty secrets, but you know, share things with other entrepreneurs because they are probably going through the same difficulties, exactly. challenges, mm. and you know they do support. You know, and entrepreneurs do support each other, and mm. uh, you will feel better after having shared and realizing that it's not not just you who's yeah. journey. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. And uh, just the uh, last few bits. Do you think? It's been particularly difficult being, uh, uh, or is there particular challenges you face being a woman in business as an entrepreneur, and also uh, maybe like issues of racism or anything in the back of your mind when when you go about in the business? Have you faced challenges around that? No. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't yeah. faced any challenges as a woman um, in the business world. Mm. I haven't faced any challenges as a as somebody coming from Asia or India. I haven't yeah. any racism either. I think like I said before, the food industry is a very passionate yeah. food industry. And, and I think I am fortunate that I come from India because the nation's favorite food is curry. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you racist against anybody who makes a curry <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's great that's yeah great. so yeah. definitely i i personally haven't faced um such prejudice um mm. and you know thank god for that because i'm quite the feminist at times um yeah <laughs> as a woman and doing business and having to manage a home and two children yeah loads of challenges <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, you, you seem to have embraced those very well and just uh, carried on. You know, you must have... get to this stage. Um, la- mm. You met me last year. I think I was in a different mindset completely. But I think, uh, you know, it, it helps to have a bit more mindfulness in your life. Um, yeah. help. And I think the situation doesn't really change. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. your attitude towards it that changes. Yeah. Cool. So aside to like uh, going in the garden for five minutes and looking at the leaves and all that, what other things do you do to, to keep your mindset sharp as well? Um, I do I do yoga um, and um, I also do yoga and Pilates, um, okay. uh, which, I, you know, which helps for my back as well because I've got a bad back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that also helps because there's a lot of focus on your breathing. So yeah. that helps. Um, I am trying to meditate more, um, mm-hmm. but I must admit my mind just you know, yeah. a lot. Um, so I don't think I'll ever be able to get my mind under control, um, mm-hmm. you know, be it my thoughts or be it my temper or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I try and I think it's just the, even the the exercise of trying to visual, you know, to, to, make a realization about your thoughts, you know, and like we're just being conscious about what thoughts are coming and going. Yeah. That's, that's also being mindful. Um, And also then um, what else? And I play badminton quite a lot, which gives me, 
in this lockdown period, it's been great because that's the only way I've met some of my friends. Yeah, uh, good. And I think because I'm a very social person and not having, uh, not being able to meet families and friends, yeah. uh, I think has been the hardest bit. I haven't met my parents for the last one and a half years. And I think that's, that's the hardest bit about this lockdown and, you know, this distance. Um, but yeah, you just, you just have to try and make the most of it as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and how, how are they, how, how do the kids sort of embrace your entrepreneurship side? Do they get to appreciate what you're doing on the um, entrepreneur side and, and all of that? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are times where I used to wonder if they think any less of the work that I'm putting in because you know, I may not bring as much money to the table, you know, yeah. bread to the table. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, but I think for kids, it's it's not about who brings the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For them, when they see you work so hard or be passionate about something, something yeah. inspiring, I don't think it matters to them who, yeah. who buys their toys. I don't yeah. think it matters to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Now, Gauri, it's been uh, such a pleasure speaking to you. You know, uh, I feel privileged getting to grasp your story. And I'm sure many people are going to be inspired when, when this goes out to actually get to uh, 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 understand your story, where you've come from, the challenges within, the successes, and how you've actually grown and learned a lot from the, from the process. So uh, for me, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, spending the time with me on the podcast. And uh, I'll be following your, um, you know, your uh, product range and the business and how it's going. And I'm sure we'll probably catch up again in the future, see how that is going. And I'll be testing your products as well and, and all of that. So it's been a great pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Same here. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's. Mm-hmm. It was so nice to just, you know, chat with you and share things yeah. that I maybe haven't shared with so many people. You know, you just it's just thoughts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just thoughts, you know, just recollecting your your journey and what, what's happened. So if, even, uh, you know, some of the people who use your products and, uh, uh, you know, who know you, they'll, they'll be interested to actually get to, uh, to get to know you know gauri and uh, a bit more about your insights and your thinking and your you know the things you've gone through so it, it's quite a, a good sort of depository to have uh, that information and that knowledge so thank you very much for that thank and you. i'm sure we'll catch up very soon thank yeah. you take care <laughs> thanks gauri bye bye